Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone. I'm Andy Richter. Uh, this is the three questions. And I am very happy to be talking to Nick Kroll today. Hi, uh, Andy. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thank you for being here. You're coming to me from uh, 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 an undisclosed location out in the desert. You're working. You are you are just a, ta- a tag along spouse, I understand. I am. I'm uh, I am truly my my wife is here uh, doing some work in the desert and I am uh, I am a plus one. Uh, ordering room service throughout the day, breakfast and lunch so far. Think nice. might go out for dinner, but uh, but man, there's nothing like a, a turkey club from room service. <laughs> How long are you guys out there? Oh, just a couple days. Yeah, just yeah, a few days. It's fun though to be just along for the ride. Like it's fun when your partner. It is. is is the is the work, and you just get to kind of hang. Yeah, out. it it really is. It's it's been uh, it really is, and and I find my wife's uh, work interesting and cool so it's uh it's a nice thing to be uh to be a tag along on so yeah she's like a a, 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 she's like a landscape designer botanical mm-hmm. artist botanical installation artist she does all types of things um some of them uh temporary some of them permanent and uh so she's yeah she's working on a, a permanent installation right now so i'm uh she's out here scouting and i'm just uh hanging out in the desert which is beautiful yeah right? you forget how gorgeous like this palm springs palm desert area is it's like it's so cinematic yeah when it's not nine thousand degrees it's nice yeah yes absolutely i was there once for like the two or three weeks that things bloom and it was magical uh but every other time i'm there it just seems like a purgatory i love a i love like a july 31st uh, just a hundred and 115 <laughs> degrees at uh, 8 a.m. Yeah. Just like watching, watching the Botox ooze out of some elderly people <laughs> and, uh, getting a, getting a couple hot, hot pancakes, <laughs> a heavy hot pancake <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> now I, uh, you know, they sent me research on you, uh, and I glanced at it. I mean, Thank you know, you. come I on. I want to keep it spontaneous. Mm-hmm. But I saw that you and your wife met on Raya. Yeah. I think that I think that you're like the one successful couple that they can boast of. I know. I didn't. I, it's one of it's, the unfortunate thing is like, it's not like you can get then a free membership. You know what I mean? There's nothing good. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. We met on a dating app and I, and I, um, uh, for those for the, in your audience who might not know Raya, it's for, um, it's for like 
I mean, there's all types. I mean, it's like, it's for, it's supposed to be like, quote unquote, the, for creative types. And, and what that meant, at least when I joined, it was for like, uh, beautiful women, some of whom were quite talented and accomplished. And some of them were, are just beautiful and like, uh, like, uh, successful men. Yeah. <laughs> like kids who, who are or like hot guys in front of like a Ford Bronco with like wide brim hats and right. like um you know like like a picture of them with their dog surfing, yeah you a know rented puppy yeah 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 a vintage puppy and uh uh you know like a lot of bracelets so no we met on there and I and I find it actually kind of romantic it, it it served us exactly what it was which was like I was trying to find. I was trying to meet someone outside of my circle because I feel like I knew most of the people that I was in, in the world that I was living in and in, let's say in the comedy world. Um, I knew many of those people and, and it was uh, trying to figure out a way to meet someone outside of my circle. And, uh, and I did it. And uh, now we're married and have a child. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, I, I've been single for a couple of years now and, and I, attempt rye is the only attempt i've made at a dating app and i i scurried away as quickly as i could it felt so i i i've told this before but the thing that did it was seeing a woman whose uh her her job was listed as denim architect (laughs) (laughs) and i just was like i don't think this is my crowd yeah Uh, i don't want to you know, and then just and also too, just everyone seemed impossibly young and impossibly hot. And I just felt like, get out of here, you leering old creep. You yeah. Know? And yeah, no, I, I I think it was the place that I felt like safe to be on an app because I was like I was scared of being on like Tinder or something like that. And people being like, wait, that guy. And like, yeah. And, and but, also um, fans, you don't want I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to date. I mean, I like it if people like me, but like, Always. I certainly don't Always want nice. somebody to go like, oh, I want to go on a date with that guy from the Conan show or with yeah. Mort from Madagascar. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would have been like, oh, I want to date the guy from quintuplets. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, of course you would. Um, of course and, you would. Um, but no, I think, I mean, ironically, my wife told me that she that was like, had she she was a big sports fan and she and her brother used to watch the league together and then she, I, my face came up and she was like oh my god fucking ruxin she's like i hated your <laughs> she's like i hated your character like he's the worst and i just assumed that you would be like that but i was like i may as well like swipe right or or whatever approve just like at the very least i might have like a laugh you know yeah. and um and uh so i'm glad she she chose to uh, and didn't judge me, but it made me realize like, Oh, people do think you are possibly who your character is. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you only watch the league, my, my character on the league was sorry. My F 18 is flying. Um, That's all right. um, if you only watch the league, you'd think my, I, my, I mean, Ruxin was like a truly deplorable human yeah, being. He's an asshole. Yeah. The worst. Yeah. And I'm only, and I'm just the, I'm just a pain in the ass. I'm just right. Right. You aspire to those levels. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, sometimes though, I always feel like that's not a, a, a bad bet to think that someone is a lot like characters they play because free people are frequently 
cast in things that they are that are, you know, that's appropriate to them. Like, it's kind of like they've worn a natural groove in their personality to play this kind of person. So, I mean, but also, too, you've also, you play, you know, you know, you play some charming people, too. Occasionally. I seem to to get cast off. I've gotten, I have been very, I've been very fortunate to get cast in, in, or uh, to do different things, but I definitely... For a long time, at least, my sweet spot was like douchebag assholes. Yeah, uh, yeah. which are which are always fun to play. It's you right. know, it's like it's a fun. I, and trust me, I don't. I, I I'm not complaining about it. But but at some point, specifically, there was something about the league where, like Manzukis, Jason, who is who has played my brother-in-law Rafi in the league, who's a on the show, a stone cold maniac, like pure id. Yeah. which is a character that Jason plays somewhat often and plays unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, and what people don't realize in real life, and I, I'm sure you've spent time with Jason, like he's actually a very thoughtful, pretty, a very emotional guy and also a massive OCD germaphobe. Yeah, yeah, quite reserved because of he's, you know, yeah, in a prison of his own making. Yes, and, you know? and so, but people before the world, like before COVID, uh, you know, before the collective trauma of COVID that we've all gone through, um, he, we would be out and about and like every real life Rafi, his character from the league would come up to him and be like, you Rafi, I'm Rafi. And he'd be like, please don't, I can't like you touching me scares me so much. Like, (laughs) but I kind of enjoyed it because I am like, you've, you know, you've chosen this. Right. Right. Um, So, um, this, you know, this podcast is sort of, uh, you know, it's uh, as uh, John Gabris called it, the uh, origin story, which makes it sound like I'm only interviewing um, villains. Um, so uh, you grew up on the East Coast, New York. Yes, where many villains come from. Where many villains come <laughs> from. Uh-huh. And um, and it's, I mean, it's not a secret. Your dad owns a pretty big business, like a pretty big company that's yeah. like well-known out in the world. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, you you had kind of an East Coast. I had a privileged East Coast upbringing. Yeah, yeah. And um, how'd you end up so nice? That's, um, uh, that's the crazy <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny. It's this weird, it's a it's a very, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I feel incredibly blessed growing up uh, in, in my family because, uh, because my, my dad did well, I will say for whatever it's worth and it's worth nothing. My dad did very well. He has done not near, not nearly as well as the internet would have you believe he did. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is not to say anything about like, the incredible privilege that I grew up with. Right. But, um, no, the, uh, no, if you, if on the internet, it says that like, I have $10 million. I don't, I do not have 10 million. I don't have anywhere near $10 million. Shit. Well, if you don't have 10 million, why am I doing this podcast? I thought I was making (laughs) a million to do the podcast. So uh, so I, I grew up with insane privilege, not, but not the, but I will say just not the level of privilege with which, or the amount of money, uh, and also my dad has built that business over the years. Yeah. Uh, we grew up very comfortably growing up, but it's, it was something that he built over many, over 40 years or so. So, uh, but I grew up with a ton of, uh, I grew up 
yeah, I grew up very comfortably. And, um, but also, uh, my parents, uh, just did, were, are nice people and, and would, it, it, ne- it would never even have crossed my mind to not be nice to people. Cause that's how I think, cause that's kind of how my parents were w- with people, with everybody. So yeah, yeah. the modeling was like, who cares if you have money or not? Like everyone has a name and everyone yep. is a person and everyone has a family and you treat them accordingly. Um, and I have found life to be easier being nice to people. Um, <laughs> like from a purely pure pragmatic way as an, I, it, I've always said that, like, if you just want, if you're just like a crass motherfucker that wants to get the most work out of people, be nice to them. Like yeah. <laughs> can be concerned with them. Yeah. Like it, if you, even if you're evil and all you care about is productivity and that people are machines that be nice to them. Yeah. And, and I think, it, you know, and it's look, there might be a part of that. That's like, it's easy uh, as like, you know, like a uh, straight white man to be like, it's so easy. Just be nice to people and they'll be nice. Like there isn't a, there is a slight, like the world, if you are, if you are nice, the world is there to work with you, yeah. uh, which might not be as easy for other groups, but I can only speak from my own experience, which has been like, you know, if you're running late for a flight uh, or your room, you're not getting the room you thought you were going to get at a hotel or like you're like you're uh, the, 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 the package that was supposed to be delivered hasn't come. Like, I don't, I have found for the most part that being like nice and reasonable um, gets, has gotten me what I've wanted as much or better than people who are like you, like, I will threaten you. Like, Mm -hmm. I just think people, I just watch people shut down when you threaten them. Now you're also the youngest in your family. Would you say that you are the baby? Like oh, I'm you, the baby. I'm the you, baby. By how much? Like who's? How, what's the it's age a, spread? It's a seven year spread from oldest to youngest. So there's. Okay. Um, so it's uh, my brother Jeremy, then my sister Dana, then my sister Vanessa, and then me. And it's Jeremy's seven years older than me, and then Dana and Vanessa are uh, two years younger than him, and then f- you know, and then there's a three year split. So we're we're pretty tight. Pretty up. close, yeah. Pretty close. You're one of how many? I am one of four. Uh, from my mom is married twice. I have an older brother who's three years older than me, mm-hmm. and then I have a younger uh, brother and sister from my mom's second marriage. So we have a different dads, uh, and, and they are twins, and oh, wow. they are uh, nine years younger than me. So okay, so yeah. you were kind of the youngest. You I were the- was. I was. I got to be the youngest for a little while, and then I was like the middle. Right. Uh, you know, because when there's two at the same age, yeah. that's functionally the same person. And you don't have to treat them. You can't as separate. Two individuals you treat either. them as one entity. Right. It's, um, it's a time saver. I, I, I believe very much in birth order. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big. Conan always did, too. He always believed in that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I really do believe birth order is massively important in who you are. Like other people are like, what's your sign? I'm like, I don't care if you're a fucking you know, a Gemini or a Sagittarius. I'm like, what, where do you fall in your birth order? Yeah. I think that that has a massive impact on, on, uh, on who you are. Um, and And what's Lily? Uh, she's also a Gemini. She, no, 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 I mean, I mean, uh, birth order wise. Oh, she's, she's the old, old, older of two. Oh, okay. Um, and she, 
there's not a, I don't, I'm trying to think amongst my various serious relationships, there's not a huge amount of continuity, but, um, but actually a couple of them were older sibling, older girls to younger boys. And so I sort of make sense on some level uh, where it's like, oh, you're the older, like, you know, because it was my brother, then my sister, then my sister, then me. And I definitely felt like there was always like a kinship with the, that like sister was a little older than me, like mm-hmm. where you, you sort of relate to like that relationship was an important one. I think for me of like how, you know, she taught me like, like, how do you talk to women? How do you, uh, how, how whatever that relationship was, I think became a central one for me. And, and I think, and I think as the youngest, I think of the youngest oftentimes as performers, as the ones who end up becoming performers, because I think they have been like, um, I think they're verbal younger uh, because you're catching up to your older sibling. You're like, you want to do everything. They, and also your older sibling is oftentimes like showing you things, showing you movies, showing you like uh, uh, introducing you to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I have, I've got a whole sort of chunk in my standup about birth order that I, I just can't give it to you. I just can't. I know you I, can't give that shit out for free. I can't, can't give that away, baby. But, yeah. um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like a youngest or, and, and do you feel like a middle? Like where, where do you, um, I do feel like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, for the longest time I was the youngest in lots of different things like I like I was young in my school class you know how like there's just a range of age over about a year and a half like I was always one of the youngest in whatever class I was in what you know whether it's third grade or what when is your birthday October 28th okay wow and this is before they had like this is before they had like cutoff dates where it's like if you're born after March 1st you're I don't even you're the next year like I have no idea how it worked I think that it was just you know, and especially too, it was like, it was Yorkville, Illinois, you know, right. Like Yorkville, Illinois in the seventies. They're like, you're born and you're born yeah. that year. That's the year you're right. In exactly. You say, Hey, my kid was born October 28th, 1966. Oh, he's going to school next year. Okay. You know, and right, then you that, just do it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, similarly. I mean, I'm a June birthday, which was always on the later end of even, even that. And I was a little guy, I was a late bloomer. And yeah. so so I think even that made me feel like, you know, and especially in those critical like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, when that half a year meant a lot physically yeah. for you, um, that it was, it, and then being on the second half of the year birth wise, like I definitely think I, I felt younger throughout, you know? Yeah. Well, and then when I started, like I, like I have a, my brother's three years older and I ended up hanging out with his friends a lot. Like yeah. I just ended up hanging out with older kids kind of, I mean, I had, I had friends my age and, and all different ages, but I always kind of was around a lot of older people. And then when I started doing improv, I was one of the youngest of, you Uh you know, Uh when I went to film school, I was one of the youngest and it was, it was kind of like halfway through the, my first stint on the Conan show that there were started to be writers younger than me. And I started to feel like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed the, to be the youngest. I'm the little wonderkin. I'm yeah. A, I'm little baby special man. I'm the one who's out, uh, you know, who's pushing his potential as far as he can. <laughs> yeah. No, now I'm right. just meeting expectations. 
I have um, similar, I have similar um, things in that, yeah. especially when I started doing improv and I was like, you know, I came to New York and started doing UCB and I was, uh, my brother went to college with Owen Burke. Uh-huh. And so Owen was, was an my, improviser producer and yeah, so UCB. Owen was, yeah. It was my intro. Yeah. was my intro into UCB and through him, I met, you know, Sheer and Hubel and, and, and then, through just all of those relationships, it was like Manzukis and Brian Husky and Seth Morris and and that whole crew of folks, um, and and I was friends with them. And then and I was like used to that. I was like I was used to being friends with the older guys. And then as I've gotten older now and and created my own stuff, I've collected. I've started. You know, I work with younger people, and now I'm like I, it's very weird to be like, oh, I'm not only am I not the young guy, but I'm now like the older guy. Yes. Yes. I hate that feeling because it creeps up on me because I'm sure that as most people, you know, most people, they say they feel about like whatever, you know, 16 or 17 or whatever you get to a certain age. And I don't know if it's that young that I feel, but all it takes. And I kind of almost avoid doing it. Like if like UCB shows, I would go do UCB shows that somebody would say, Hey, you know, this person that, you know, is going to do this show. Will you come do the show? And I'd say, okay. And they would turn out the person that I know wasn't doing the show. And it will, would all be uh-huh. people I don't know. And it would be me. And then what felt like a, a just a room full of people that are 20 years younger than me. Uh-huh. So yeah. I, I just was. Uh, yeah, no, I know it well. I I'm know like, it well. Oh fuck. I f- feel so old. Yeah. Well, go get on a go get on a kids dating app, and then you'll feel much better. <laughs> oh no, I could not do a kids that. dating app. I what? take that back because right, I know what you mean. Inter- there also is the internet rumor that I'm uh, because of my show about kids' sexuality that I'm also a pedophile. So, well, yeah, uh, I want to, you know, dissuade you're one of that. I want also. I wouldn't mind putting that one to rest. <laughs> Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, I'm comedian Eliza Schlesinger, and I've got my podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where you can submit me your burning life questions, and I will give you real advice. Go to Denver, be young, get you a black lab named Bailey, and she'll be like, well, then just have it anyway, and then you'll be like, it tastes like blood, please don't. We moved. We moved, and my husband died. I'm not here. I died, too. You know, when people's like, happy holidays from the Thompsons, what they're really saying is, look how great we look. We're all still alive, and we're all wearing blue jeans. You're looking at us. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. 
Can't you tell my love's a growing? When you were saying, like, you know, that you had a sister to teach you how to talk to women, that was, I didn't have a, you know, a, an older sister. I was, and I just, but yeah, I just knew how to like, you know, like that game that you play with a balloon where if it touches the floor, the world ends. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but the balloon is the woman's mood. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I learned, you know. Don't let it touch the ground. Uh, um, so uh-huh, anyway, uh-huh. Um, like yeah. I'm I, hopefully my mom won't listen to this one. Um, (laughs) your mom loves she's a big fan of the pod she's a big fan of the pod Uh, it's 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 unfortunate that she does know about things now there was like a little brief window where she didn't know about anything and right 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 and then it's like well we were listening to andrew's podcast yeah yeah and we heard yeah i wish you'd say nice things about the family sometimes yeah I'm like, yeah. well, maybe you should have thought about that yeah, 30 years ago. Nice. Yeah. yeah. When you were being such a, oh, never mind. <laughs> Here's your ventilator back. <laughs> um, now, I, w- I want to back up a little bit from, from yes. you starting in New York because, like, you know, are, is it a funny family? Like, are, you fun- are your mom and dad funny, funny siblings? You know, and- yeah. Sorry, I finished your question. No, no, that's, I mean, are you funny? I mean, in the family, like, are you like, is it like, oh, Nick's so funny? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you probably talk to people who are like, no, it's like, I mean, you always heard like that thing of like Mike Myers being like, my brother is the funny one, you know? And like, and then, you know, I always, my family's got a, I think has a very good sense of humor. Um, I think my dad and, and my dad has is, is got a very, is funny. Uh, my brother has got a very like dr- really dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I see it in myself too, where it's like when you meet people and he like, um, people don't know him, don't know if he's joking or not, you know, that thing where it's like, Oh, you're too yeah, sarcastic yeah. too early. Right. People don't know. Like I remember the first time I met Matt Walsh, I was at, a founder of UCB. I was like, Soner Owen brought me to a, his, a party at Walsh's and uh, you might've been there. It was like, you know, t- t- 1999 or something at weather. Yeah. And, and I walked in and Matt was like, uh, Hey, you can put your coat in the bedroom. And I was like, you know, I've, I probably said something like, no, I'm going to wear a coat and I'll probably put one, uh, another coat on, like trying to be like, Hey, yeah. I'm funny. Like, look, I'm funny already. Right. I remember Matt looking at Owen and being like, is he, is he serious? And I was like, Oh, right. Like he doesn't know me. Like, right. he you know, um, but no, my brother's funny. My sisters have good. Yes. I think we're a funny family. I think I was always quote unquote, the funny one. Cause I think I was the youngest, like I was always performing for them. Yeah. Um, but I would, I've always said that, like, I think amongst my family and definitely my, like growing my friends growing up, if you'd been like, Will Nick become a successful professional comedian? They'd be like, oh, I doubt that. Like, yeah. he's pretty funny. He's like, but Stevenson, Stevenson's <laughs> funny. And I'm like, I agree. Stevenson's hilarious. Like, yeah, I, have no, yeah. I have no problem. I think Stevenson's funny as hell. But like, but it, I definitely had the feeling, especially as I succeeded, that people were like, oh, wow. Holy cow. Look at that. Yeah, Look yeah. ended up being successful. I just talked to Bill Hader and uh, like <laughs> what's amazing about his is that like he was a PA and just because he wanted to direct movies, he decided to start taking 
improv classes to just, and also to meet actors in case he wanted, you know, do short films because he was all about being a director. And uh, Megan Mullally saw him on stage, recommended him to, to Lorne Michaels. And like he said, he had a friend that went to Europe for a month and left. And it was Bill, the PA working in the film business and then came back. He's like, Oh, I'm moving to New York and I'm going to be on Saturday night live, so crazy. which that's so nuts. That's such a, you know, yeah. My, I think my, crazy my trajectory difference. was much has been much more gradual. I mean, it, yeah. I've been very privileged to, to work at each stage, but mine was like, start at UCB, like take, do open mics, do, you know, whatever, get on a, I didn't even, I never made a Herald team, started booking like little radio voiceover commercials, then like full, like, you know, on camera commercials, then like best week ever. And like VH1 awesomely bad metal songs. And then slowly, you know, but that's, all, got, that's pretty prolific. It right was all very bat. prolific, but it wasn't yeah. like, boom, one day I'm on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like, boom, one day I could go to an SNL after party. And then yeah. four years later, it was like, boom, a friend was on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> like four years later, it was like, boom. Yeah. I was allowed to sit in Lauren's office and watch <laughs> Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Now, uh, in, I mean, in high school coming up, are you thinking about doing this for a living? I mean, no, no. In high school, I was sort of like my high school was not um, terribly supportive of the arts. It was just not a place where, you know, it was like a it was a school and it was a private high school in Westchester. It was like grooming people to, I guess, like be like financy kind of folks. Right. Is it a, is it a boarding school or is it? A no, it was a, it was, it was a school where, where my friends would get kicked out of boarding school and end up back at a, it was a right country day. It was like, okay, you no, know, um, totally. You know, a, a, for many people, a very good school. It, it ended up not being a school that was like. I had one. I had a. I had a nice uh, teacher, Mister uh, Fuller, who who like was a cubby on the original uh, Mouseketeers. Wow. Um, who like put me in a play, and but I, I didn't love it. I went to this place called the Mountain School in Vermont for one semester on a farm, and a lot of weirdos there in the best way that encouraged me to like kind of let my freak flag fly. And oh, that's I, great. Like. I felt, and I was like, oh, this is what I want to, I want to be more like this person, you know? What year was that? It was junior year. It was one semester of my junior year. Is that just because you wanted to go somewhere green and away from yeah. home? Or, yeah. Yeah. My, my sister, again, it's the advantage of being the youngest. My sisters had gone there. It was one semester. You live on this like organic farm, fully self-sustaining, uh, 45 kids, uh, no, uh, everybody worked the farm and worked the school. There was no like, you know, staff. I mean, there was teaching staff, but it was right. all just like, you do everything yourself. Um, and is that uh, a big, is that a striking difference from the Westchester private school? Yeah. Like just in terms of the kids and their like, yeah, the kind of kids, like I got less there. spoiled. Is that, yeah. Well, the kids, like the kids of the mountain school were just like, they were all kind of like interesting. They were comfortably being weird. They were just comfortably like, you know, my friend Josh was like in the like blues guitar and introduced me to like Charlie Parker. And my other friends were like, you know, like we're wearing like dress guys were like it was this was well before it was like binary, non-binary. It was just like, oh, I'm going to wear a dress today because like it's comfortable. Like, you know, it was there was like 
there was no partying really, but like we'd all get together and have like coffee houses. And I would, I, I remember doing like a lip lip sync to like James Brown in like a, like a weird orange jumpsuit and <laughs> wearing like kitchen clogs and was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this feels fun and yeah. feels. And, but even still, I then went to college and, and went to Georgetown and did improv there and met Berbiglia and Mulaney and everybody else. Even there, I started doing improv and I was, I remember the first time I did improv or the first, I, we did a mini, like a little sketch show my freshman year. And we had a read through of a bunch of sketches and I walked out of the apartment we were doing it at. And I was like, oh, this is what I want. This is it. Like, yeah. and I don't think I'd ever realized, but even when I graduated, I still was like, I wasn't like, well, of course I'm going to go become a professional comedian. Like it didn't, I don't know why it didn't cross my mind that like, I was like, I knew I was like, I grew up watching Saturday Night Live. I grew up watching everything. And, but I still was like, Oh, but that's something that other people do. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It Absolutely. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, now, I always, I always likened it to like, be, if I was a kid and I thought I, it was similar to like thinking like, I'm going to be an astronaut. Like, like the, the, the rough, like the, like, I don't even know how you do, how you get there, but I do know it's complicated and takes a lot of specialized training. And I, I don't have a fucking clue as to get there. It it felt like that. And it also felt, uh, and I don't know if this is just a Midwestern thing, but like, so, uh, you know, uh, the Midwestern phrase is tooting your own horn. Like, just so like. Like, you must think you're hot shit, don't you, buddy? You know, yeah, I think you're going to get, but I mean, but it is like. It, well, you do. The you idea is you have you, to think you're hot yeah, shit. Yeah, you're getting on stage big, yeah. in front of a room full of people. And the idea is they're quiet and they listen to you and they all look at you like, yeah, there's some ego there. There has to be. There has to be. So I, that I had less of, because it's not Midwestern, it's like New York Jew. So there is a little bit of like, of course. To celebrate mm-hmm. oneself is a mitzvah, but <laughs> but it was sort of more like you don't like know like you go get and it wasn't really my parents. My, I mean, my parents have been su- incredibly supportive. So uh, I recently heard it's very funny. I recent I I haven't heard it, but secondhand I heard that just a little podcast gossip. I mean, it was on that Marin had Dave Chang on uh, his podcast, and and he was like, "Your friends with Kroll." And he's like, and again, not to toot my horn. He's like, I like Kroll. He's funny. He's, he's like, but I had to stop following him. I saw too many pictures of him, like as a young kid smiling, like he had a normal childhood. Marin said like, this or David yeah, Chang? Yeah, Marin, Marin said that. I'm paraphrasing. But I was like, I was like, oh, I get, I get that. That's fair of him. Like who wants to like, who wants to, who wants to watch the guy, you know, who seemingly had a, had a well, uh, you know, well adjusted, yeah, well yeah. adjusted, exactly. But yeah, but, so but I but I do think it was not like so I had a supportive family and and all that stuff, but but it was it just wasn't assumed. Like I don't know if you felt this, but like if you ever told people you were gonna you were going to do comedy or something, and people kind of like were like, oh, how's it going? Like <laughs> or like like when we were dating when Lily and I were dating and she was like, Oh, I'm dating a comedian. And they're like, her people are like, how's it, how's he doing? You know, like, because it, the assumption is it's not right. going well. Right. Right. Uh, and so, 
and that's a that's a safe bet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not like like I, I bet he's very successful. No, like no, no, odds are. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, yeah, it's already he's also, it's not he's also doing DoorDash and Uber, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, so no, it's been, it, it, um, I, I didn't assume I never, it was not assumed that it would, it would work or succeed. Um, yeah. but, and I, and I don't think until I graduated was I like, yes, I want to go. I think I'm going to really give this a shot. And then I was like, yeah, I want to try. I, I want to try. I want to see what I can do here. Yeah. The, it, it, do you have you ever have you looked at your Wikipedia page lately? I have not looked at it in, in you know wow. just there's a fun like one thing made me laugh because it mentions you go into Rye Day country or country day Rye or country whatever days, the fuck yeah. is. And then and then he went for one year to this school in Vermont. It was here that he developed his love of hiking. <laughs> like somebody somebody felt the need to like you know point like as if people are out there wondering like where did he get this yeah, love of hiking story of hiking what did he i mean you don't just go walk in the wilderness and enjoy it you have to learn that <laughs> it is it's a very i mean it is funny like what gets into wikipedia and, I know. What, and what photo no matter how hard you try to remove as your wikipedia photo yeah I cannot, I cannot get that photo removed. Uh, I, I gave up years ago of just caring about not necessarily how I look, but like about how, how you look to in others pictures, in yeah, in, yeah. in photos. And every time I've ever been in something, cause for people that don't know, they'll, you know, you'll do press photos and then they'll give you, Oh yeah, a like proof kill. sheet, like yeah, like so where you can look over all the photos and the I think a kill list or something, and then you X out the ones that you don't want distributed. And I'm always like, I give it to, I'll give it to like you know a bus boy and say, hey, pick where which ones I look best in because yeah. I have no frame of reference and it's all turd polishing in my mind. So I just. I'm the same way. I, I make some, I have someone else do it. Cause I have no, I was just like, cause if it was up to me, none, none of these would be, yeah, none yeah. of these would be approved. Um, I did a movie with Ashton Kutcher and oh. it, he, it was, it was like, it was, uh, it, it, we had, we had, we all had to, there was cast had to come to set on Saturday and a bunch of people were really hung over, including him. And, he was like apparently very, very uh, much a stickler about how he looked in the photos. And he said to me, he said, he said, I look like an idiot on the dude wears my car poster and that's going to live forever. And I just thought, yeah, but in that movie, you're an idiot. You know, like, <laughs> like the name of the movie is dude wears my car and you're, you're eating up our Saturday by being a stickler about this. Cause my thing with, those kind of photo shoots is always just like, if it feels bad and like too much, it's what they want. And if you give them what they, they want, you can go home. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a, that is a very, it's a very logical, very reasonable uh, uh, take on it. Yeah. And it is. And it's also like, if they'll make you like, you have bags under your eyes. They'll like get rid of the, now they'll just like get rid of the bags. Right. Under your eyes. Right. Uh, and also like, they'll weirdly Photoshop your head onto someone else's body. For yeah. The, like every, you know, you look at like 80% of independent films, you look at the movie poster and you're like, 
they why did they put their heads you can tell that those are yeah, they look so weird yeah always always yeah. And you're like how did we how is this yeah. possible love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places well working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like t-mobile we have america's largest 5g network so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, I'm comedian Eliza Schlesinger, and I've got my podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where you can submit me your burning life questions, and I will give you real advice. Go to Denver, be young, get you a black lab named Bailey... And she'll be like, well, then just have it anyway. And then you'd be like, it tastes like blood. Please don't. We moved. We moved and my husband died. I'm not here. I died too. You know, when people's like, happy holidays from the Thompsons. What they're really saying is, look how great we look. We're all still alive. And we're all wearing blue jeans. You're looking at us. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? So what makes you, you just head out to New York after college? You went to college and I went to college in DC and, and then moved to New York and was like, I'm going to give it a shot. And again, my, a couple of my Georgetown buddies from my improv group had already come to New York and were taking classes at UCB. And I knew Owen and yeah, and had already been going to like, I mean, I remember going to see in college, we would do work weekend workshops. We do like one workshop a, 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 in during the year with, at UC, you know, with UCB folks like, you know, Walsh did one. Andy Secunda did another. You would go to New York or they would come Yeah, down we would like, as oh, a wow, cool. group, would go to New York and go do a workshop, a full day workshop with like, you know, yeah, one of like one of the yeah. senior level peoples. And then we'd see an ASCAT. And I remember seeing you at an ASCAT um, at, on the, at the 22nd Street Theater and being like, I can't. And I was like, I cannot fucking believe I'm in the same room as Andy Richter. Like oh, I couldn't. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Like it was, you know, that little, that was like a, I don't know, maybe a hundred, 150 seat, a hundred, maybe a hundred seat theater. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we, I remember very clearly sitting on the floor on the side of the stage, seeing you and, you know, Tina and Amy and, and just being like, I cannot believe this, you know, like yeah. I, it was, and it was so, it was so unbelievably exciting to watch, to watch you guys perform and, and inspiring. And we just went back and was like, you know, trying to then forced, forced college audiences to make us <laughs> watch us do long form improv poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Years. And it was terrible, but uh, it, it made me be like, I want to go to New York and, and I started taking class at UCB and, and then started doing sketch and, 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 and started doing characters and then was sort of like realized like at first I was doing stand up, but I wasn't, I was so much more enjoyed doing, honestly, doing the characters on stage than I enjoyed doing improv or stand up because it was like, it felt like the best of both worlds where I was like, right. I'm going to prepare something, I'm going to be able to interact with the audience, and I'm going to play a character that I feel like has a more interesting point of view than I have and, and like start to build that my stuff that way. And that became sort of my more of my entree to stuff than either straight improv or straight, um, uh, stand up uh, or yeah. at first. Um, and I, 
I just was like, went to, you know, I was just like at a open mic or a practice group or going to see a show like every night, you know, yeah. from, I graduated in 2001, 9-11 happened. Uh, and then, so I waited until the new year and moved into the city and like my new year's resolution 2002 was to, to do an open mic. And then it went from there. Wow. And uh, uh, did you just end up, end up doing mostly just the character work? Like, did you, you know, I kind of like it. Ebbed would you mix it up? That was really kind of where I kind of, I would, I did like a, you know, I started doing more characters. Like I had like, you know, like you've probably now seen every version of every character I did at some point. Like I did an Argentine standup, Nico Pajamas. And he was, all of his jokes were kind of a, like, making fun of Bolivians, you know, it was like, but it was like the bad, like every, I'm like, you've seen a hundred times, like the bad stand up character. Yeah. 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 And I did a character named Fabrice Fabrice, who was the craft services coordinator for that. So Raven. Yeah. That's um, the fir- I think that's the first time I saw you doing character work and it was at uh, a roast that Paul Tompkins had for himself. Yes. Yes. Uh, which yes. I was, I was like, in that, I was like, mm, I'm not falling for this trick where I say mean things about Paul Tompkins and he remembers them till the end of time. <laughs> so I made I made the decision to sort of like butter him up, but in sort of like a kind of way. And he wasn't prepared for it because he said some things about to me that still sting. <laughs> that still haunt you. Yes, he said, he, well, the one I remember most was he said that I look as if the, the Michelin man just smelled shit. <laughs> and it's really that's pretty fucking good it's but very still fun. yeah come on come on but it sticks with that's the thing with roast is like and i think I that's why him. i was like i'm doing this in character because yeah. i don't because i i don't want to i can say whatever i want that was the beauty of being in character is like you can say whatever you want and kind of get away with it because mm-hmm. they're like oh well nick nick would never say that fabrice that's fabrice fabrice yeah yeah that's nice um I did one roast. I did the roast of James Franco. Uh, and it was like me and Rogan and, and Sandberg and Aziz and Hader and Natasha Leggero and Sarah Silverman, Jeff Ross, uh, Jonah Hill. It was like a really great, like very uh, current group. Um, and it was the one of them. I, I mean, like, I'm glad I did it because I think it was a good one, but it was one of the most unpleasant performing experience I've ever had. Cause you are, you're up there making fun of your friends, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun, but then you're like waiting that they're going to make fun of you. And then, or they're not going to make fun of you. And you're like ignored and you're irrelevant inside of it somehow. And it was like, yeah. all of it felt terrible. Why didn't I get insulted? Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just, to me, it's just like, I mean, you know, comedy, comedy it always has like a little pinch to it or you know it it almost always does and you are and like you say making fun of something is like it's a nice phrase you're making fun of something (laughs) but uh but i do find it's like they're very formulaic and it's like do this list of algebra problems that will make someone feel bad yes because because you go like okay uh you know the, that guy's got a double chin. Let's see. What can we do with double chin? You know, and then it's totally. just, 
And then you're just trying to fill in the blanks of some, you start, you, you, you start at the end of it, which is, um, you know, horse face. And then you work backward from horse face to think of a way to make, you know, some sort of artful construction that gets you to horse face. And it's just trafficking and meanness. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have, I have a tremendous amount of skill for the, the math of it. Um, cause it is math. Um, yeah, yeah. And, but I simultaneously am like, I think I'm done. I've done my roast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done my roast. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause you are up there either with people you don't know and either love or not. And if, if they're, if you don't love them and they're just like sad, you know, like formerly important people, then you're like, oh, you're just kicking this person while they're down or yeah. they're your friends. And they're like, Hey, that really, um, yeah. It really hurt my feelings. You went out of your way with that one. Yeah. And you're like, that's what I'm supposed to do. So tell me, um, because, you know, you're performing and it's kind of got to build to it. And, you know, and you, that has got to feel good, especially because, you know, you are, it's, it's a relatively short amount of time, you know, from to go to New York city and start actually get paid to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was 2002 I started really. 2007, I booked, uh, I'd come out to LA that year for pilot season um, and I booked um, uh, Cavemen, the hit show uh-huh. Cavemen. Uh, based on the Geico Cavemen. Based on the Geico Cavemen, the beloved Geico Cavemen commercials. Um, so... Th- and, you know, say whatever you will about that show. It was a it was a, to get cast on a network TV show, especially that was nearing the end of the the beginning of the end of network television. Yeah. As we knew it, like to be like the epicenter of everything. And the cash cow, you know, yes. like, you, you know, your fate is sealed. If you, can, yeah. Yeah, if you can get on a hit show, you're kind of made for life. Um, that show did not. Uh, thank God it didn't go because the makeup like was four hours of makeup every morning and mm. my skin, I don't think ever quite recovered from it, but I learned a ton and I, and I actually think there was funny stuff in there, but I really learned so much um, about performing and about being on set and how do you, how do you show up at a table read and how do you advocate with wardrobe and how do you deal with the, you know, the, the sound person and how do you uh, you know, who do you, do you, do you, take orders from the writer or from the director or who's really running thing, you know, all that stuff that you just have to, you just have to do everything for the first time at yeah. some point. And nobody and, can teach you that at school either. No. And yeah. then, and so I, I did that and I, uh, the show got canceled. Then the first, the writer strike happened, uh, this is 2007. And then I put on a right, a writer strike show, uh, that during that period of time to like raise money for the, America, uh, motion picture television fund, like blow the line worker folks. And, mm-hmm. um, just kept me busy. And, and then, and then from there, uh, started booking, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. um, and, uh, have been, been able, luckily worked ever since basically. But so that was, so it was about five years till I got like a, a movie or TV show of yeah. sorts. And, and then the well, I guess size that's of- not that fast. I, you know, I mean, no, it's, it was pretty, it yeah. was like pretty. And I don't, I don't mean to belittle it or anything. No, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just like, it's like, because A, you're talented. So it's like, it's like, 
I'm not trying to say like, well, lucky you. No, you're you're fucking hilarious and really good at what you do. And so that was recognized fairly early on, I think. Yeah, no, I as I, I really do believe like I I don't now looking back, I think like when I started and, and for many years I was sort of like jealous of the meteoric rise of like, how come and it was many of my friends. So I'm like, how yeah. come that guy is already in movies? Or why is why yeah. why does she get to like go out and and like open for him and like you know and it wasn't i wasn't like ever but i was you know you, that's you, natural it's, it's natural, natural to feel that way and it's the first thing you feel and then you put it aside yeah and it was yeah. always and it was it was less of dis it was less like unhappiness for them as it was for for myself yeah because i think it's sort of that that competitive ambitious quality inside of you and again i attributed the honestly a lot of it to being the youngest where just like your your brother's three years older and he's he's already riding his bike so you want to learn how to ride your bike quickly too so yeah. that you can keep up with him go off with his friends but he's going to be a better bike rider than you for a while because he's three years older than you yep. so you were like i gotta keep up so it made you ride bikes faster than the kids in your grade but you were still slower than his friends and so you felt you might've felt like shitty or like, and, and I kind of look at some of my career stuff that way of like, well, I was doing this faster than some of my peers, but I was always comparing myself to the guys a couple years older than me and the women a couple years older than me being like, why aren't I doing that? Or, yeah. or why can't, you know? And, and so, but I, no, I've been very, very, now I feel incredibly grateful that I've had such a consistent, like I've, it's been a nice upward, uh, trajectory, but it's, mm -hmm. and it's been, so at every stage, I feel like I've been pretty ready for whatever happened because I, it, none of it came so quickly that I was like, right. Whoa, I, I'm in a, I, I, I was just doing open mics last week and now I'm on set with, you know, you know, the great, uh, you know, Maggie Smith, Maggie, great game, Maggie Smith. Yeah. Which is, um, which is, which of course how James Cameron started. He was an improviser and then he immediately got Titanic. And then there he is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Maggie Smith's in Titanic. I, I, no, don't, know. I, I don't know. She might be. I, yeah. I know Billy Zane and his eyebrows are. Oh yeah. Um, great head, great head eyebrows. Kroll uh, <laughs> show was so fucking funny. Was so good. Kroll show started. Um, I had done a, a, a special, my my first stand-up special was sort of like a stand-up character hybrid going back to like the characters i was doing fabrice and this character bobby bottle service and me yeah, and with john daly you guys john, was it rich dix or something was yeah it? we so we did we did i did um uh on the special i did stand-up and then i did fabrice bobby bottle service i did an oh hello bit with mulaney and um and i don't think we did it I don't know if there was one more or not. And then stand up and, and then, and then daily and I with John Kreisel did a, like a, a pilot presentation of rich dicks, uh, which are these characters that we did and for comedy central and comedy central was kind of like, we love, we love rich dicks, but we really love, we want to do this. Like we want to do your characters, like what your, what your, stand-up special was basically function as like a backdoor pilot, uh, like a proof of concept of all these characters. And so they, so, so 
we then, yeah, out of that came Kroll Show, um, which, you know, the pitch was sketch, but kind of recurring character sketch. I think it, it, we didn't quite know from the beginning that what we were going to do was ultimately kind of this hybrid of, of more narrative driven stuff alongside these characters, but that it was going to be like uh, Seth Meyers, I think at one point jokingly coined it, but I actually think it was not a bad version of it was called, as he called it, like sketchuational comedy. It was kind mm-hmm. of like somewhere between sketch and, and more long form narrative because all of the characters re- recurred. And by season three, all of the world started to collide almost like a Herald, you know, it's like the yeah. third, the third beat where all of your stories are hopefully now coming together. Uh, and yeah, we did three seasons of it. And another internet thing, people are always like, why did they cancel Kroll show? And I was like, they didn't cancel it. I mean, like it was not a, it was not a wild success, Yeah, <laughs> but they, but I was like, I'm, I, I was, cre- I was creatively, um, exhausted, creatively, yeah. emotionally exhausted. I, you know, sketches, sketches of, Fucking beast. Yeah. And also, too, I just the things that some things are, you know, yeah. movies can't go on forever. Books can't go on forever. And yeah. TV shows, that's like, like, you know, the strength of some of these English shows, like Faulty Towers. Like, you know, the, how, what a yeah. strong, funny show that is. I mean, you know, it's kind of, there's some racism and cruelty and, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and nothing, it, it, nothing but, as well. Nothing. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it, there were only like 10 of them, yeah. you know, I'm, and because that's all they're supposed to be. And yeah, you know. it was like, we did 30 episodes of that show and I'm like, yeah, that feels about right. Like mm-hmm. I was like, that feels like we did what we set out to do. And, and, and I agree. I think it's, I think it's, I, I, I think some stories don't require much. I mean, I think it depends on the subject matter. But I think I think so. I think it's like certain things are like, yeah, okay, we got it. Yeah. Well, you can see, you know, some dramas that that were imported from somewhere else, and I can't. I I think it's called The Killing. Like, watch it. You know, there was an American version of it, and you can tell because it did kind of well. They got to the end, and they're like, well, we can't solve the murder. You know, like (laughs) the whole thing is like, who did the murder? And then you get to the end, and it's like. We don't know. And because yeah. we're coming back next year and all these people, you know. Yeah, you got to keep them all hooked in. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's the weird thing now with con- with with all the streamers is sometimes they're like, nope, three, three and out's good. Like, we're good. Yeah. We don't need more. Um, but they also want it serialized. It's just a different. It's And yet you watch like a show like The Office or Parks and Rec or those shows like become massively successful on streaming in a way that they weren't right on air, you know, yeah. like it's this weird thing. Um, well, the streaming that the, the reason, you know, the three seasons and the, they, they dump things after three seasons. I don't know, how, you know, and people will be p- puzzled by it, but it's because usually the way it's structured is after the third season, all the principals get a big raise or it's like, it's time to renegotiate. Yeah, it's not economically feasible. It doesn't, yeah. they don't benefit from keeping something on the air after a certain point. And all they care about, most of them is new subscribers. So having a show that most of your viewers that are watching already watch and like, that doesn't do anything for them. They have to constantly like, you know, Netflix constantly has to be getting new people, new people, new people. 
It's like a drug to them. It's like a, yeah, I mean, it's like, and it's like how I do heroin. Right. <laughs> like a, like a vacuum cleaner, like a Dyson yeah. sucking up dirt. <laughs> um, well, what's next? Where, where are you going now? I mean, I'm, not tonight, you know. Um, uh, tonight I'm going to dinner with my wife and some of her business folks. Um, I am. Don't get too drunk and say stuff. Oh my God. What a nightmare if I did. Um, <laughs> um, I'm doing, uh, let's see, we're doing Big Mouth, um, which are, is actually now made it through those, the three seasons and out. They've, they've held on to us and season it's so five. funny. It's just, and it, now that's one where, you, holy shit, the legs that you're getting out of puberty. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. M- much better legs uh, that on the show that I'm getting out of puberty than I did in real life. Um, but uh, yeah, the, we're, we're still doing that. Um, we're doing a spinoff of that called Human Resources. That is in the workplace of the monsters and creatures, uh, the shame wizard and the hormone monsters and the love bugs and the ambition gremlins and the depression kitties and stuff. So that'll, that will come out next year uh, sometime, you know, springish. Um, and then we've just started, uh, ironically, talking about how sketch is exhausting, um, we've just started writing history of the world part two as a show for Hulu. Oh, right. I read about that. Oh, yeah, that's so, fun. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's like Mel Brooks. Uh, I mean, it's insane. You know, yeah. uh, he's, he's kind of my number one. Yeah. Um, and I watched that movie hundreds of times as a kid and, and, and he came to me and, um, and we put together, you know, to be like, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so we put together a great team. It's, you know, uh, uh, Wanda Sykes and mm-hmm. Ike, Ike Bernholtz and Dave Stassen, who I'm sure you know. I do. Um, Chicago Days and beyond. Um, and uh, we've got a great group of writers and we're, we just started writing that. So we're writing that and we'll, you know, we'll shoot it, you know, once we're done writing it. And yep. so I don't know when that'll come out, but that those are the, and then uh, I'm, I've got a, um, I'm pretty, trying to produce for other people. So I'm, I'm helping people, uh, get their, hopefully get their shows and movies made, um, with a sort of a, just helping to produce. So, um, I'm doing a bunch of stuff and I, I'm, I, I like, I really like doing all of it. It's yeah. I'm incredibly lucky. I, I, I really enjoy doing it. Are you going to stay in LA? Like does having a child make any difference to you now you know, geographically? Uh, you know, I'm from the East Coast and I, I miss my family and we spent we just spent a lot of time this past year um, in the last couple of months on uh, upstate, like on a lake. Um, I loved being like, you know, I think that's the thing about COVID is you, you're like, oh, I could do, I can kind of go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like L.A. I have so many friends and in, in, in my community there and obviously work. Um, but I also really like I really do like being in you know, as Wikipedia says, I love hiking. You do love I learned, hiking. I learned to love at the mountain school. Right. Um, but and you can hike in LA, but it's it's uh it's crispy. It's dusty. LA is dusty. Nah, I don't like it. You done around here. Where would you go? Um, I I would very possibly move back to Chicago. Chicago is a very comfortable kind of town, but I mean, it, you know, it's all it's all depending on you know, my kids are old enough and it's kind of, you know, I'll probably always stay close to them. Yeah. Uh, wherever they are. Yeah. Um, Which they don't have a choice about. 
No, no. It, it, yeah, in fact, there's they have contact. There are like actual restraining orders. It's uh, uh, you know <laughs> that they've sought out just to keep me away from them. No, good no, luck. That's not true. Good luck, Bucko. Yeah. Well, what do you, um. What is the like? What do you think is the thing you've learned? Like the biggest thing you've learned about yourself, and then the thing, the biggest thing you've learned about life. You know what your what your path is taught. Ooh. Um, so it's a huge question. Yeah, um, I know. What I don't have to I answer mean, I, it. I what just I have, have to been ask learning. It. What I have been learning, I think, is like you know we were talking about. You know, like when you're a performer you clearly have to like, like yourself enough to be willing to perform, but you also kind of, while I am incredibly, you know, as a weird joke, like I, I feel like I'm generally pretty well adjusted. You know, I think we also have like a, I think performers do oftentimes have like a real revulsion for ourselves, as we mentioned, also like looking at pictures of ourselves. Um, and I think, I, I think I think it's like really trying to figure out self-love. Um, like once you can love yourself in a healthy way and not in like a weird narcissistic way, but like mm -hmm. embrace yourself and all of your uh, perceived shortcomings, the more, uh, the more you, you will have a capacity to love others and be loved. Yeah. Um, it's you can love yourself with in the same way that you do, have a healthy love with another person. Like you kind of have boundaries. Like you know, I love me, but I only tolerate this much of me. Like yes. you know, a bad tendency that I have, or you know, taking yeah, advantage like, of the people. Like being hard enough on yourself to not excuse the bullshit, to not excuse the bullshit, but also enough love to yourself to forgive yourself for whatever your shortcomings are. Yeah. You know. Um, and that I think for all of us is like a lifelong journey. Um, but I am, I'm working on that. I think, I think I'm working on like, um, I'm working on like trying to really, uh, you know, look in the mirror literally and metaphorically and, and, uh, and, and, and really, uh, give that, give that fellow a hug, you know? Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, geez. I wish we were in. I'd hug you right now. I'd hug you too, buddy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. I know you're, you know, you got a lot going on. You got babies and, and dinners and, you know. Yeah, I mean. I'm, the night, the the desert nightlife. Well, and let's not forget the horse track where I spend 85% of my time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm you, very addicted to horse racing. Yeah, you got you to have a job. Got to fill the day. Yeah. You got to um, fill your heart. With yeah. paramutual gambling. Exactly. Um, but I thank you for having me again. As I said, seeing you on seeing you on stage at UCB like over 20 years ago was like a insane what like insane highlight for me. And the idea that like here we are talking on a podcast, which I knew was coming 20 years ago. I knew yeah, they I were gonna be a thing. But the idea of talking to you now as like a friend is is like tickles me to no end. So I'm well, uh, privileged to lucky to be here. That, I, I mean, I, I, it's very flattering to hear you say that. It's weird to hear, you know, like, like somebody, <laughs> like to, to matter that much to somebody when you were strangers. Yeah. Know? But it's, but it's, it's nice, you know, but it yeah. is like, I just, just, I can't, cause you know, I mean, it's like you said, you, you can't walk around in the space of thinking that 
I bet young comedy kids' minds are blown when they yeah. bump into me at Ralph's. You know, it's like <laughs> I, no, but it's and it's it's good not to think that way, but also somehow allow yourself to be like, no, that is like I have yeah. had I have had an effect on people in a real way, and I'm what I've done matters, and and I have been a, a super impactful uh, person on on people, uh, yeah, which is which is real. It's good. And you're yeah. doing it. You're doing it now. Thanks, sir. Well, thank you. And thank you all out there for listening. We'll be back next week with more Three Questions. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the three questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 